0: Love talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio, and I want to welcome you to the show today because we're going to be talking a lot about Tennessee uh, and their uh, broadband activity there. So, specifically um, for those folks who have uh, been following the show uh, and, and my various. Uh, uh, I mean, RANs, we'll call it, on uh, on the broad issue of broadband. Uh, Tennessee stands out because it's one of the uh, 21 states that's been identified that has uh, laws restricting community broadband in one form or another. But there is a big effort now, and it's coming from all segments, it seems, to um, rethink, readdress, and, and possibly overturn some of these laws in order to get uh, broadband out to those folks who really need it, and in many cases to those communities where their only option is to build a network themselves. Um, I am extremely delighted today to have uh, as a guest Senator Janice Bowling, who is from the 16th District of Tennessee, and also who caught my attention last year because she was one of the folks in the Tennessee legislature that were leading an effort to um, try to redo some of these laws and remove some of these restrictions. Senator Bowling, welcome to the show.
1: Craig, thank you so much, and thank you for uh, getting out there and preaching the gospel according to the truth of the needs of the 21st century.
0: <laughs> no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Well, let's jump right in. I want to first start, though, to kind of set up this discussion Um as I am seeing broadband in various communities throughout the US, at the local level, yeah, you can tell me if this is true or not, but at the local level, this doesn't seem to be much of a partisan discussion. It's really about local economic development and it seems to be crossing party lines. Is that a fair read on the on the local theme?
1: That That is entirely inaccurate, read, Craig, because at the local level where we're dealing with the, the actual needs of the 21st century, uh, we're seeing that our people, whether they're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever, they're recognizing that high-speed broadband access is the electricity in the 21st century. It, it is what electricity was in the 20th century. So it's not that this is about what people... Uh, just casually won, or this is not for entertainment. This is for being connected to the 21st century, and so it does transcend all party lines, and it's dealing with the reality of the fact that it is not right now accessible to all of the rural communities and small towns across
0: America. Mm -hmm. Now, what about at the state legislative area? Because from my read of the Tennessee legislature, a year ago, it also seemed that uh, broadband, community broadband, was taking on a very bipartisan tone because the folks that were leading efforts to uh, roll back some of those restrictions were both Democrat and Republican. Is this a sign of Mm -hmm. of changes that may be happening both in your legislature but also in other uh, legislatures in terms of how they view community broadband?
1: I believe so because we all have uh, different maybe perspectives on it, but I know as a former alderman in a small town of 18,000 in Tennessee, uh, I was an alderman when the State General Assembly in Tennessee did pass legislation in 1999 saying that municipals could provide broadband, uh, telephone, and cable TV. But quite actually, in 1999, the truth is that, that people were more interested in the cable TV that was not being taken into the rural areas. Uh, broadband, uh, if you will recall, was was just one of those newfangled things, that worldwide web stuff, and it's going to be a, something that will go out of style just like the CB radio. Well, mm-hmm. no, it didn't.
0: <laughs> and, and so
1: in 1999, the, the legislative correction actually became part of the problem because it restricted the municipalities' to the people that it provided electric service to they could not go 1 foot outside their electric footprint um to provide ha- broadband and and that therein lies the concern right now because rural counties are still not served small towns are still not served with high speed broadband and 1 meg up 0.78 megs down is not uh what you need in the 21st century
0: right and, and I, I would assume then that puts you guys uh, full behind, fully behind the efforts of the FCC to raise the definition of broadband to 25 megs and, uh, and what is it, 25 megs down and 3 up? Well,
1: actually, I would disagree with them on that point. I, I applaud them that they're increasing it from what has been the 1 meg up, .78 down. But my legislation last year actually asked for 100 meg symmetrical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in my small town of 18,000, uh, I voted against high-speed broadband for us going into it in 2001 because I felt like it was such an emerging technology and so many new applications and implications were coming forward daily that we didn't want to be buying a dinosaur and burying it in the ground and then having a, a tremendous exposure there to to improve our delivery system. Back then, coaxial cable was the quote unquote state of the art. Well, nobody came to help us. And so in the year 2006, we revisited the issue. I was an alderman still and on the utility board. And we looked at fiber as the best, most economical way to provide an excess of what you actually need. It's like a fire hose compared to the coaxial cable as a garden hose. And I would say that 1 meg up, .78 megs down is like a straw. Um, but this 25 megs, 3 megs, that's that's more the garden hose. And I think that if you really want to go ahead and get the infrastructure in there, uh, it's like when you buy a turkey, you got to pay for those bones regardless. So get as much meat on those bones as you can.
0: And, right, and right. you want
1: to you want the capacity. You want the capacity because there are implications and applications now that we never dreamed of five years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think all of this goes, my legislation, 100 megs symmetrical, I think ideally uh, get fiber wherever you can. And in Tennessee, we have a unique uh, ability to really go into the rural areas um, at the request of the electric providers because TVA has required a lot of our uh, rural electric membership cooperatives to have fiber internally for the smart meters, for being able to to really service the customer better, Uh, but they're not allowed to – it's dark fiber. They're not allowed to light it up to the customer. It's only for internal purposes. Well, the municipals could go into those areas and – Wholesale off of that fiber that's already there, an asset the people have already paid for
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and to pre- to prevent that is is just um an exercise in futility for the people and it and it would prohibit the people in the rural communities and small towns from having that ability not only to thrive but to survive in the twenty first century
0: mhm well it's it's clear that you um as a senator have looked at the implications of this uh, this technology in some great detail. I, I think that uh, there is a perception that a lot of legislators are not uh, or have not kept themselves up to date with the technology. And so you have situations, in, particularly in some of the other states, where they have severely restrictive laws. And got Missouri right now is bringing out more restrictions to put on top of the restrictions mm. that we already have. Um, how did you, I'm curious? How did you get um, so current with all of the, the the broadband stuff and and the impact and so forth that it, that it's having?
1: Well, as I mentioned, I was an alderman. And it it came, our small town has a lot of engineers. We were kind of a medical center. We had a lot of banking. (laughs) Uh, But particularly we had the engineers in our town that were associated with Arnold Engineering Development Complex, which is a world-class ground test facility. And uh, so these people needed to be connected at work. They're connected through the military system. But when they came into town, they needed the ability to be connected to colleagues worldwide, literally. And uh, and businesses needed that connectivity. And they needed to be able to transport large volumes of information in real time. And so that's how we started on the quest in Tullahoma. But as I said, I voted against it before I voted for it. In, in 2001, I voted against it because it would have been coaxial cable. And I truly felt that this was so, such an emerging technology we needed to – Hold, keep our powder dry for a little bit longer and see what would come along before we made the um, investment as as individuals in the community. And sure enough, um, I, I thought that perhaps the incumbents would come and say, oh, we see you all are sincere and really do need this high-speed broadband. We'll provide it for you. We've got 18,000 potential customers. But instead... Um, that's not the way it happened. So in 2006, we did the due diligence, abided by the law that required the business plan, et cetera, et cetera, with control of the state. And we studied the issue very carefully, and that's when we determined fiber would be the way to go because you can upgrade it with the flip of a switch. It is, It is that fire hose. It has excess capacity, but while you're buying the turkey, buy the big one. And uh, especially if you're getting a deal, the bigger the turkey is, the less you're having to pay per pound. And so we got it, and um, and it, it was not rocket science for me to make that evaluation. And some of the people that were upset with me for voting against coaxial cable came and thanked me later. But if you'll look at it right now in our communities, there are issues in the larger communities with capacity- And I won't get into that, but that's kind of what the net neutrality is all about. They really don't have the capacity with that coaxial cable to uh, transmit large volumes of information in real time. And that's why they're having to kind of have those issues that they're discussing with regard to that. Now, the good news in the rural area and, and the bad news is the good news. We don't have anything. So we're not caught up in the net neutrality issue. But the good news is we're in a position now to provide ourselves with capacity and mm-hmm. um, and particularly allowing the people to do it. Just yesterday the announcement was made that um, Google is going to provide fiber to Nashville, Tennessee, and that is going to be wonderful for national to be a gigabit city, and mm-hmm. I'm glad it will join Tullahoma, Tennessee, population 18,000, and Jackson, Tennessee, and, and Chattanooga, Tennessee, the seven towns in Tennessee that are already gigabit cities are gigabit cities, towns, communities because the people determined they had to have it in order to survive economically, medically, educationally, real estate development, uh every facet of our 21st century lives has now a use that the high speed broadband is the only thing that can satisfy the need. And um and so I say yes, 25 megs is better than than one, but 100 megs symmetrical would be better than that because then you have not restricted yourself again. You, mm-hmm. we need to go ahead and do the capacity while we're doing the capacity. So okay. because the people needed it, I studied it, and um, and I think I'm not unique in that. That there are many legislators who are willing to try to roll up their sleeves and get a better layman's understanding of this technology, but the truth is those that understand fiber and the capabilities and the uh, redundancies and all the wonderful things that are associated with fiber in particular, uh, the technology is not complicated. What they need to be as as communities is work out their service plan and work out their uh, costing plan and whatever. So, You know they are capable of getting in there. The technology is readily available, and it's not "quote unquote" over the heads of normal folks. Look at Chattanooga. Chattanooga is becoming a showcase of what you can do once the the fiber is there, and you start actually enjoying a lot of the implications and applications. Um, It's just an incredible success story and will continue to be the center of of the fiber universe right now for a while it seems to be it seems to be the new silicon valley yeah. um, of fiber start. so so we're just real thrilled that that's right on the edge of of one of my counties marion county but the so fact that, that they would be okay. willing to come in and share uh, their expertise and their capability and could do it uh, very economically in the uh, next county, but right now the state law is restricting that. It's like having a cup of water and you see your your next-door neighbor is thirsting to death and you're not allowed to give them a sip. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that – no,
0: no, no, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say in, – in that... no, it's to you.
1: Greg, I'm sorry, but there's a little static on the line, and, and we must not be connected with fiber.
0: <laughs> I will have to plead guilty on that one I'm actually here in Colorado And I'm uh, in a hotel and I'm stuck with wireless So I'm, I'm hoping that this will still come through, through okay Your voice well, sounds you like Well, you see,
1: and, and wireless is subject to topography It's subject to mineral content in the ground It's subject to forest It's subject to weather And while it is certainly a viable solution Where it is a viable solution It's not a viable solution everywhere Right and I think that sounds like a yogi bear, but <laughs> but uh, you know it it actually um, works fine where it works fine, but it doesn't work fine where it doesn't work fine. And and, and, and so go. it, it, it and, and the fiber, the the allowing the municipalities to take it into their neighbors, uh, in their adjoining counties and in their communities that are around, and the farmers' agriculture relies heavily on high-speed broadband. Now, to do all that is a solution. It is not the solution, but it's certainly a solution that's in our toolbox, and I applaud the SCC for at least addressing the fact that there wouldn't be these perennial legislative attempts to correct a problem if, in fact, the problem didn't exist. Right. And the problem is there. It, it, the problem is real. It is, it's growing even as we speak. Um, the great divide between rural and urban... And uh we've got to get the high speed broadband into all of our people's um hands and, and not just those who live compacted in a very urban area where right. the profit margins are are, you know, more uh readily attained by the what I call commercial vendors. We've got to allow these co ops in the other areas where the people can provide for themselves uh what the profit margins in the urban areas won't, uh, you know, allow these commercial vendors to go out into the rural areas and small towns. We don't we don't mm-hmm. argue with their profit margins. We just say we can't be held hostage to their profit margins.
0: Exactly, exactly. Now this brings up a question, and you and I talked about it for a couple of minutes before we, we went live. Um, I've been studying broadband for a, a number of years. I'm getting ready to do a presentation here in Colorado in, in an hour or so. And it's a rundown of the various networks that are out there in, in places like Sandy, Oregon, and Danville, Virginia, mm-hmm. and um, so forth. And in many of these cases, these are small towns, right, Tw- uh, mm-hmm. 20,000, 40,000 population, down to as few as 1,800 people. Now, what's mm-hmm. interesting to me is that there's always the complaint or the criticism when these other states want to pass these bills to restrict broadband that they're looking out for the interest of the communities that they're looking out <laughs> for the, the taxpayer, but it seems like these taxpayers are are readily taking on the responsibility, and in some cases they're taking on bond debt or other you know ways that they they fund this. They seem to be willing to make that chance to get into an area of business that's not necessarily easy but clearly they're not scared away from it. Uh, again, is that what you're seeing in, in the various communities in Tennessee, is that willingness to take this on as opposed to some, like, we're frightened that, that this will just become a, a pile of sand for us?
1: Exactly. And and you you really described the situation <clears throat> accurately because what we're seeing in the rural communities, small towns, my town, like I said, Tallahassee, 18,000 people, and we're a gigabit city um we have grown at twice the rate of other communities during these economic hard times, and, and it's all directly attributable to the fact that we own our gigabit capability in Tallahassee. And what you're seeing is that, uh, well, I was confronted. You kind of referenced or alluded to this earlier in our conversation about the partisanship that, you know, this was considered now more of a bipartisan issue and I was accosted by some of the commercial vendors saying you're supposed to be a Republican, you're supposed <laughs> to be pro-business and I said I am absolutely a Republican and I'm absolutely pro-business and if we don't get high speed broadband into the rural communities and small towns there will be no business in those areas. That's the whole point of the need here in order to take full advantage of economic growth, uh, for instance, in our rural communities, small towns, if they have a an industrial park, maybe they've got great land availability and a, and a workforce in and a, and a surrounding area and whatever. But if they don't have high speed broadband, they don't have an a, a industrial park to market. They have an electrified cow pasture. Um, you know, there, there. This is the new utility, the essential utility of the 21st century is high-speed broadband. So the small towns are given a choice. Do we do this ourselves? Because it obviously has had over 15, 20 years for the commercial vendors to come in there if they wanted to, and they haven't come in. So now, do we do it ourselves, or are we content to die on the vine? Are we content for our community to decrease by attrition one obituary at a time? Nobody mm-hmm. knew will want to come there Nobody new will be able to come there. You won't have the medical connections, the telemedicine, the distance learning capabilities, the at-home businesses, the the banking, the um, the real estate development for people who would like to relocate but need to be connected to maybe where they came from. You you just won't have any of that if you don't mm-hmm. do it yourselves. And mm-hmm. so if if the states no longer can restrict municipalities from helping to serve their county neighbors their their um community neighbors uh anybody that requests them to come in and help if they at least can't do that or have the uh legal ability to do that um then then we are squelching economic development medical development distance learning development all across the united states i think that if we allow a free market and the free market includes the people providing for themselves what commercial vendors have not been willing to provide then if we allow that free market i would suspect that iron will sharpen iron there will be uh, more people getting involved there will be faster smarter better ways to provide this infrastructure but it will it will spur economic development it will it will actually be a huge, and and I don't think we need any government money to do it. We just need to move the regulatory restrictions that are in place right now in so many states. Mm -hmm.
0: So this brings up an interesting uh, philosophical discussion that maybe we can take for for a couple of minutes. You have, um, let's see, You, you have a situation where there are people who believe in free markets and they believe rather uh, vigorously in them. And then you have people who believe that there's a role for government and there's a role for the general public. And then you also have uh, state legislators saying, we don't want people telling us from Washington what to do, but then they turn around and tell cities what they can't do. How do you see this sort of philosophical back and forth resolving itself, because someday I feel like the the practicality of broadband gets lost in the philosophical discussions, and now as the president and the Senate uh, gets engaged, it, ret- it raises up the, the philosophical debate while maybe we should be having an economic debate and, you know, let's talk about the home market and the, the breadbasket issues. Am I missing well,
1: one? and I, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that facet of this whole discussion because I think you've hit on the crux of the problem. People are putting up straw man arguments that this is somehow anti-free market. And just as I said, if there's going to be any uh, business market in these rural communities and small towns, <clears throat> this allowing this uh, the people to come in and provide for the people. I thought in America, you know, our government of the people, by the people, for the people – we are the government. We are the taxpayers. We are the people. And we are the small business owners, and we're the uh, the teachers and the doctors and the uh, the real estate developers and the contractors. And we, the people, now in the reality of the 21st century, have an infrastructure need that was not foreseen even 20 years ago to the degree that it is now uh, a prerequisite for doing business in the 21st century. And so why in the world would we not do everything together cr- jointly uh, in in a corporate fashion, in a corporate meaning to cooperate with one another to make sure, okay, we have a problem, there's got to be a solution. On one of my mountains in my rural district in Tennessee, uh, a friend said, now, Janice, if there's a problem, there's a solution. If there's no solution, there's no problem. So uh, if you think about it, that's better than Yogi Berra. (laughs) <laughs> because the the fact is that there is a problem, we wouldn't be on the phone talking about this if people weren't beginning to resonate. We're underserved or unserved in rural communities, small towns, and small towns equaling up to forty thousand people. Okay. <clears throat> it's still a small town right. Nashville tennessee didn't have doesn't have fiber because it's been waiting for the commercial vendors to provide it, so they've been held hostage to 20th century coaxial cable technology, the coaxial or the wireless. Well, as we discussed earlier, the wireless is a solution, but it is not an all-encompassing solution. So there is a problem. People need it. People are asking for it. People are getting to the point of demanding that the government get out of the way and let the people provide for themselves what the commercial vendors are not willing to do. In 1937 in America, there was the Rural Electrification Act that allowed for the cooperatives to be formed to provide electricity in the hills and hollers of Tennessee and in other places across America. But the point is, the people who lived in the up the hills and down the hollers should not have been held hostage to, oh, well, you've got coal and kerosene and wood. You don't need this newfangled electricity. This is just to be reserved for a highly... Uh, dense, you know, commercial areas. No, it, you know, we wouldn't be what we are today if electricity hadn't been made available universally, mm-hmm. and and a lot of it through co-ops. So now we're just saying let the people be the solution to the problem that they are uh, going to die under if there is no uh Release of the restriction that's on uh, their capability to provide their solution right now. I know that sounds a little circular in the discussion, but this then will not be a philosophical question uh, to uh, free enterprise or open or free market. It will expand the understanding of free market. It will literally say people need high speed broadband, somebody provide it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so we will remove all those regulatory restrictions in those uh shelters that some of the commercial vendors have enjoyed and there will be true competition in the marketplace. And and to insult people and say these are tax dollars competing with private doctors uh dollars. No. These these are the people's dollars that are funding the development of a broadband network for their own benefit in order to survive in the economic climate of the 21st century. So pragmatism, yes. Practicality, yes. Partisanship, no. Um, (laughs) Straw man arguments, no. Uh, The people need relief. There is a problem. We can't stick our heads in the sand and say, no, everything's working great. We've got free market right now, and look what a wonderful time we're having. Um, no, <laughs> that's just <laughs> not true, Craig. So, so I think that if we're going to be intellectually honest and say, yes, there is a problem, then we also have to be intellectually honest and say, what are the solutions that we can bring to the table And the best solution is a free solution to the government. It's remove your regulatory restrictions and let the people of America provide for themselves as they have in generations past.
0: Now, do you think, uh, were you surprised by uh, Google's announcement that they're going to Nashville? Because Google, for the most part, has steered clear of a lot of these state's, that have restrictions, right, because they didn't want to get caught up in the politics and the regulatory issues that that brings. But in yesterday's announcement, they announced that they're going to Raleigh, which is in North Carolina, which has broadband restrictions actually much worse than Tennessee's. And they also announced Nashville, where uh, there are restrictions. And and Charlotte, because not if I got my geography right, Charlotte's in South Carolina, which also has, these restrictive rules, do you think Google is, is maybe doing this specifically to bring a light on these uh, restrictions? Mm-hmm.
1: I do. And and I think to show that in these, as I said, metropolitan areas, they're still held hostage to 20th century technology. And Google is saying, hey, there are all kinds of applications where we are confident that if we come in with fiber we will be able to recover our costs and make a hefty profit. Now, that's in dense population areas, and but, but it pops the bubble, the fact that what's being provided now is more than adequate. Uh, if Google's willing to take that financial risk, I suspect they've done their homework. I suspect they know that there will be a market for fiber in the urban areas. Now, would google be willing to make that same investment in a town of 18,000 or 1800 or or 40,000 i don't know they probably could be profitable if they were to do it in those towns but right now the incumbents are not willing to do it and and i wouldn't expect that google is trying to go into all of tennessee but i think it does uh maybe change the dynamic too I think part of the problem that some of the commercial vendors were concerned about is if we start providing fiber and or 100 meg symmetrical in rural areas, that the cities were in fact going to rise up and say, wait a minute, (laughs) they got better internet connections in these small towns than we have right here in the urban areas. So I think it would have been a bright light being shown on that fact as well. I think what we're going to see is that all people at the table are going to have to be willing to uh, maybe decrease a little bit of their profit margin as they increase their capital investments to upgrade to 21st century technologies and capabilities. Or maybe um, they will all find their own market niche. And those people that want to be wireless market, hey, they'll have a market. And -hmm. those people that, that want to do fiber They'll have a market too in those rural areas that are providing it for themselves. They will be able to do it at um, at a rate that is affordable in the uh, sparsely populated areas of of rural communities and small towns.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me make. So I, I don't it. think that there.
1: I think that, but everyone would be held more accountable because there will be true uh, competition and choice, and that's mm-hmm. what. In Tennessee, when they removed the franchise agreement several years ago, a few years ago, um, the whole mantra was we need competition, we need choice. Well, in fact, um, the communities have been worse off since then because no one's required to come in and provide certain services uh, if they have that franchise, that area. It's, It's open, but there's almost de facto no compete. Clause, and I think that's not just typical in Tennessee. I think that's mm-hmm. universal. I think all across America you'll see um, almost uh, um, a segregation of the uh, vendors that go into certain areas. It's like, okay, you've got that one and we've got this one. Um, and that's that's not a legal separation. That's just, just a marketing decision, a business strategy. But there's very little competition And there's zero choice. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We've got to, if you just take away all these regulatory restrictions, then we will have true competition and we will allow uh, the market to determine what it wants and and the people to determine. The people are the market. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is putting more power in the hands of the people. This is putting more local determination. If a community wants to form their co-op to provide this high-speed broadband, and then have the benefits associated with it, then that community is free to do that. And as you aptly stated earlier, uh, it's kind of of um, a contradictory or hypocritical statement to say uh, we want states' rights, but then to say, oh, but by the way, communities, uh, we're going to tell you that what you can and can't do. Right. My understanding is one of the authorizations of the FCC is to provide for the full deployment of broadband. That is a federal authorization. That's not a that's not an intrusion into states' responsibilities. Just like interstate highways, the the World Wide Web is an interstate uh, information highway, and and so I don't think it's inconsistent to be pro private property and pro uh, the state sovereignty um, in a lot of areas. But then to say in the area of high-speed broadband, this is something that the Federal Communication Commission ought to be saying, hey, there can be no regulatory restrictions at the state level because Mm -hmm. their authorization is to provide for the deployment of broadband. So um, I think that 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 state sovereignty violation is just another straw man argument that helps Keep everything status quo right now, so if you're happy with the way things are and you don't think net neutrality is an issue, you don't think that that the implications and applications of high speed broadband are multiplying daily and if you don't think you need that to be connected to the twenty first century let's just sit back and get a glass of iced tea and and uh-huh. rock on the front porch <laughs> but if yeah. But if you think that this is an issue, then let's all come together and and take off the partisan and the false rhetoric and false arguments and and honestly say this is the problem let's truly look at optional solutions.
0: Mhm. Do you think that um either formally or informally the various legislative players in in Tennessee will come together and address some of these issues and what I mean by that is you have um the president and the FCC saying that you know they're wanting to roll back state legislation. You have your Mm -hmm. Congress, one of your Congress folks from the Tennessee delegation, U.S. Mm -hmm. Congress, is saying, you know, we want to pass a law to prohibit the FCC from doing that. You yourself Mm -hmm. and other colleagues are saying, you know, we want to move uh, broadband forward in however way it's best for the communities. And so there's this interesting, you know, as I'm looking at it from the outside, there's this sort of interesting little tug-of-war kind of going on. And I'm just wondering, you know, does the, are the dynamics such in a state such as Tennessee, I guess any state really, that the various, I don't know, players can kind of come together and say, you know what, we're working against our state's better interests by going in these different directions. Can we come back and draw some sort of uh, consensus because I found it odd, you know, after your efforts in the legislature and your other colleagues who co sponsored other legislation uh, to roll things back, right? So that was happening in January, February. And then here comes your U.S. congressperson in, in Washington saying, oh, we're going to put this, you know, bill up to, to prohibit the FCC from stepping in. And that seems a little. That seems a little rough. <laughs> I think,
1: Craig, it does. And, and I'll tell you what, though, Craig, I serve um, a little over 200,000 people, and that's the Senate district in the state of Tennessee. And I would argue that as a state senator, I have more direct with, contact with what's going on at the very local level. Our congressmen do a great job, and I'm not trying to say that, but it's just a matter of the reality of what you can really be closely associated with uh I'm in and out of my counties uh, on a very regular basis and uh and the and the congressmen uh their staffs are there but they still don't have the same direct connectivity that I have so uh and and so true for the other senators and and the other representatives in state of c the representatives have about a third the number of constituents that I have as as a senator so my bottom line talk though is Okay, what is the FCC's authorization? Can you actually try to have federal code that restricts the FCC from operating legally within their authorization? I wouldn't think so. I mean, if they're authorized to make sure that there's the deployment of broadband, and if, in fact, the people are saying, we need uh, higher speed broadband, what we're being served is BB, welcome to the information highway, if and when you can get that. If I were to be talking to you on my cell phone right now driving throughout my district, I would have already dropped you half a dozen times because there's Mm -hmm. not even cell service in all of my district. And so for anyone to stand with a straight face and say, right now the status quo is serving the people as well as the people need to be served, I would say you would get an uprising of the people (laughs) because that is just not true. Mm -hmm. And so to applaud, uh, and and I will be quite candid with you, this is the first thing I've agreed with the president on, but I will submit to you that I'm not agreeing with him. He's agreeing with me because my legislation was out there before his position was out there. And and so I commend him on being able to look at something and say, you know, uh, they're right in Tennessee. Uh, He came down here not long ago looking at a community college issue, and he's kind of Embrace that as well. So maybe maybe he's looking to retire in Tennessee. I don't know.
0: But there you go. There the you fact, go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, um, it is a real need. It is a foundational need because systemically it impacts, as I've said repeatedly here today, education,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, medicine, real estate, uh, economic development, agriculture, security. I haven't even mentioned the big S-word, security. And in today's world, we want to be able to have the infrastructure that's necessary to use applications that will provide in all of these areas. And uh, what is out there right now is just not adequate. What's been offered in Nashville, Tennessee, prior to Google making the announcement yesterday, has been um, certainly useful. But it's going to be incredible to see what happens once Nashville becomes a gigabit city, what that can do to the music industry, what that can do to the film industry, because those applications, I think, came to the forefront in some of the discussions uh, that were at the FCC field hearing in November in Chattanooga.
0: Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question about uh, your constituents. Um, In North Carolina... Um, up until the final fight where they actually ended up uh, getting the, the legislation passed to get broadband restrictions there. Leading up to that, citizens were engaged, citizens showed up at the state house. Even when, when certain committees would like change their meetings at the last minute or the meeting times at the mm-hmm. last minute, these folks stayed the course. Uh, they, they, they took the time, and it was a rather awesome uh, demonstration of civic engagement in an important issue. Now, I don't know the population of Tennessee. I've met a lot of the like the stakeholders, and I met the mayor and all of that. Six point
1: six million, about six point six million.
0: Okay. For all Are of Tennessee. They likely mm-hmm. to get active on this whole discussion of broadband.
1: Yes, I believe so. I uh, be beca- Yeah, because um, if you, as I said. In 1999, when the legislation was passed that enabled municipalities to provide, to bundle telephone, um, broadband, and and, um, cable TV, the issue was mostly cable TV. Uh, People were not really that accustomed to using the internet and going on the World Wide Web. All that was beginning to come forward in the rural areas. But it not only has increased, it's increasing exponentially. It is mm-hmm. just growing leaps and bounds, and people, and it particularly as the younger generation who grew up um, knowing more about it, like my, my grandchildren, for goodness sakes, uh, they'll say, uh, "Nana, uh, iPhone, please," <laughs> you know, when they're 19 <laughs> months old, and and they'll put their little baby finger and sweep it open, and and then press the application they want, and I'm sitting here thinking, "Oh my goodness, I just learned how to use my smartphone myself." Uh, you know, and this child, though, is just totally, it, it's not even an issue with them. They just, it's, it's so much a part of their life. So while we are growing in our use, in our security and using it, the the people that are uh, one generation under us, two generations under us, they are going to have more and more expectation for more and more things. And the market will provide that. I'm talking about infrastructure. Then the free market Look at all they will be freed to do to take advantage of the infrastructure that will be in place. Just like once roads were built, cars have come. You know, once electricity is here, it wasn't just the little light bulb hanging down from a wire in the middle of the room. Look at all the uses of of electricity, how we wouldn't even pretend to think that we could uh, live in the 21st century without that. So, the The infrastructure need for high-speed broadband is so incredible and so necessary. Yes, the people are going to rise up and say, um, give, "Let there be light. Let there be high-speed broadband. Let there be fiber. Let there be a, a solution to the problem that is growing on us daily." in rural America, small-town America, rural
0: Tennessee, small-town Tennessee. And I get the hallelujah and amen from this corner. (laughs) You get the
1: hallelujah amen on that one. Um, It's it's a need. We in public service are not here to protect those people who have been financially um, benefited by serving that need we have to hold them accountable, too, to what the technology will now provide. Mm-hmm. And if they're not willing to provide what the technology could provide and what the applications need, then we are inhibiting economic development. We are inhibiting medical developments for for telemedicine. We're inhibiting distance learning Uh we're inhibiting the rural communities and the children of the rural communities from being able to uh click a switch and be able to go to to uh libraries and museums around the world uh, economic stimulation and development agriculture the uses that are now with with market connectivity and whatever for agricultural markets and needs and and crop rotation, just so many things, I, I'm not even going to begin to to talk about them because I'm truly not knowledgeable other than I have talked with my farmers. And they're saying, we've got to have it. I've talked with people in state government that are overseers of agriculture. And, yes, they recognize the need as well. Um, so I, I think that, that the people are going to rise up, and I think that um, – I believe it's the fifth authorization – of the FCC, I will have to to look that up when we get off this um, mm-hmm. uh, broadcast to make certain if, if this is in fact an authorization of the FCC to, for deployment of broadband. I think the case is the discussion should be closed. Um, that that the chairman can determine that states cannot restrict the deployment of broadband. Period over and out, and let the market have at it. And and I don't think the market's going to settle for 25 gig uh, megs rather uh, up and three down. I mm-hmm. think that um, that they will want to build in capacity because right.
0: that, that then there will be.
1: It, it makes much more sense. I do believe in and, um, and and I'm not a brilliant person. I'm not a uh, rocket scientist. Uh, light switches still fascinate me. <laughs> but th- you don't have to be any of the above to recognize this urgent, critical, vital need. Um, Newt Gingrich has a book out that's called um, Breakout, Out, not Breakthrough, but Break Out. And, mm-hmm. and I think the premise of that book is that we've got to break out of the uh, prison guards of the fa- past and allow the pioneers of the future to move forward with how we need to look at things out of the box, fresh eyes, fresh approaches, and uh, with the bottom-end result of serving the people so that the people can truly live their lives with more freedom, more security, more economic stability uh, than they are having right now with us trying to hold everything, be prison guards of the past
0: rather than pioneers of the future. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I see that makes a that makes a lot of sense and i wanna i wanna make one point or ask one one question uh an admin point though in case folks have been listening and been trying to get to the chat room uh install some new software and it's having a problem with the chat room, so I'm not ignoring you if you are in the chat room. I'm sorry it just is one of those text glitches and away we go but uh Senator and DePaul, your own and
1: what? your own and your own um, um satellite right now. Micro
0: or or wireless?
1: Yeah, there you have it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the question I have this one this one is a this is a fundamental issue with me actually, which is many of the communities have across the country said we're willing to work with companies like Verizon and AT and T, and we're willing to build an infrastructure because we can get payment terms on bond measures to pay for that infrastructure a lot cheaper than the the big incumbents are. All you have to do is come on board the network, share it, you know, work with everyone else, and provide services across that, and both the communities and the large carriers, providers win. Do you think there will come a time when, I'm not sure if it's corporate ego or whatever, where the large companies will say, you know what? we can actually play on this space or on this technology rather than trying to to, to fight them or legislate them out of existence? I, I, I think
1: that is an excellent perspective. I, I, right now, the prison guards of the past, the answer is clear-cut. They will not wholesale off of anyone else's infrastructure, uh, except – telephone poles. They want to, they want to hang lines on, on the different telephone poles, but that's a whole different discussion for a different day. But any other infrastructure, the fiber, um, they don't want to wholesale, and they will not wholesale because uh, that was offered to them as a viable solution in one of my counties uh, where the, the electric membership cooperative has fiber, and they could wholesale off of it and then provide that last half mile, that last mile, to get uh, fiber to the premise of many customers. And no, indeed no. So it's like um, we only want to have it – we want to own it all the way. And that's a business decision. That's a business decision. But as I mentioned to you earlier, the municipalities are not restricted to that business decision. They're willing to go in and – do it themselves or wholesale off of whatever is around there in order to get it to the to the premise uh so they can get the fiber to the premise of whoever um needs it or wants it and, and um in a good business sense way I mean they're not gonna jeopardize what they're doing in their own communities, and that's where I think all these straw men arguments are just really not valid; they're saying that um people are are not only uh ignorant they're stupid now you can educate ignorant you can't do a thing with stupid and (laughs) and i think they're accusing the people of being stupid and and the people are not stupid the people are very knowledgeable and the people are very intelligent the people are very educable um so the people recognize wait a minute we've been waiting it's not coming we've got to provide it ourselves and, uh, and we will cooperate with each other, we'll cooperate with any capability there, because this is to provide an essential utility of the 21st century. So those who want to sit back and say no, 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 and stomp their feet and shake their fist and saying this isn't the way we've always done it, um, they might suffer the consequences of that, but it will be their choice. It will be their business decision as it should be. And uh, I had spoken last year to one of the uh, commercial vendors, and I said, you know, if my legislation were mandating that you go up every hill, down every hollow, provide high-speed broadband to the sparsely populated areas of Tennessee, I could understand your angst. But I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in those places where you haven't gone and you have no intention of going, that you've got to allow us to have some regulatory restrictions removed so that that the municipal providers could, at the request of the local people, come in there and provide. Um, and and I think that, that that's a reasonable thing to want to do, to be able to be expected to do, is to help your friends and neighbors and the business community, the educational community all across the state. And to say that uh, we're not going to go there, but nobody else can go there either
0: mm-hmm.
1: is a rather pompous, uncaring, uh, ignorant. Well, I would say that's a stupid <laughs> – that, that, I don't know that you can educate that one. Uh, because when everybody's right. boat floats a little bit higher, everybody's boat's going to float higher. When, when the mm-hmm. infrastructure is there and the people have access – to these capabilities of high speed broadband then there's going to open up new markets for new applications and new services and new um uh, abilities to use so everybody is going to benefit from an economic boom mm-hmm. and and that's that's just America that you should want that to happen uh you would should not want only your um that you can benefit and no one else can. And we're willing to hold people hostage to the degree at which we benefit um, and, and let them suffer Uh through the lack of what could be provided by other venues. Uh I just, I just, just, that's alien to me. That's not the way we do business in my rural communities. Uh, Neighbors try to help neighbors. Friends try Uh to help friends. Um, The people are held accountable as, as, public servants to the to the local communities and um i I just think that that is the way things should be done in america Mm -hmm. that's when america flourishes the most when we pull together and everyone brings the table hey i can it's like an old cover dish luncheon you know somebody brings a lot of meat and somebody brings a lot of potatoes and a lot of vegetables but once it's together there's a feast
0: right exactly Uh, and everybody benefits let me ask you. everyone benefits Yep, we got about a minute. I want to know if you have any words of encouragement to your constituents to come join your efforts this year to make some changes in this in this legislation. Got about a minute. Uh, yep.
1: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, Craig, and I appreciate this opportunity because yes, I would ask all of my constituents and all of the people across Tennessee and America. To stand up and be counted, to say, yes, this is a need, this is a problem right now, that we don't have the adequate broadband. Please, uh, General Assembly, please, local people, be part of the solution. Don't be the problem. Tennessee, remove the regulatory restrictions and let rural Tennessee, small town Tennessee, prosper and be in good health, even as the, as the urban areas are being allowed to prosper and be in good health.
0: Excellent. And you can't ask for much better than that. I want to thank you, uh, Senator Bowling, for, for taking the time to be here, uh, giving us some insights, letting us get a real good perspective, you know, from the from the legislative side of things, you know, how you got how you folks view this. It has been uh an awesome hour. I, I cannot I mean I got another hour to go with another group, but I'm truly inspired to get, you know, to get that group on board as well here in Colorado because you know, there's a lot of energy that's going on in Tennessee right now, and, uh, you know, I just appreciate your putting the time in to make this that kind of stuff happen. So thank you.
1: My honor, Craig, and and I enjoyed meeting you. Look forward to seeing you again. And when we get some of these restrictions removed, we should have a, a celebration.
0: Hot diggity dog. I'm all over that one. Hot diggity dog. I <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you have a great day. And to our listening audience, t- I want to- Ask y'all to be uh, to come and join us on Friday. I will have two representatives from NTIA who will be talking about the um, NTIA's p- uh, part of the broadband initiative that President Obama laid out uh, a couple of weeks ago and at the State of the Union address. So we're going to talk about uh, the Broadband USA program in some detail, so that everyone can understand what it is, what it's about. How your communities can benefit. Uh, thank you for listening in today. Obviously, it has been a great, uh, great interview. Uh, I want to thank all of our supporters, our advertisers, Kalix um, in particular, who, who is, is coming on board to help uh, the mission of this show. Thank you, folks, and we'll speak again soon.